0: mimic of his dad and daughters would do the same with their mums and so as a son or as a child of God I become a mimic I become an image of God my father in the day in the ways that I live my life do you understand um and as we grow in relationship with Jesus and we're apprenticed to him as we be uh, disciples to him we become those mimics which is being a son but it's not just a mimic, it's to be infilled. It's not just some carbon copy thing. It's to be infilled with the life of God by His Holy Spirit. So that when we receive Christ in our life, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within, and that life of God is within us, changing us and transforming us, so that we will be of the image of Christ, who is the image of the Father. So, in that sense, we become the mimics of the Father. So the very life of God is on display through us. Hence the saying of uh, Irenaeus, the glory of God is man or woman fully alive. Do you see? To die to our sin, to deal with our own sins that we have hidden away, To be vulnerable to our failings and pain so that we can be healed. To understand ourselves. To lay down our lives every day for the sake of Christ. Here's a diagram that um, Tim showed last week. And today as we think about the outward journey, we can't think about the outward journey in isolation from the inward journey they both go together because when the voice of god calls us like He did with the uh fishermen on the seashore come follow me and i will make you fishers of men it's to be in apprenticeship to jesus and as a result of that life infused in our lives there is that inward work but is also an outward work we can easily get stuck in identity and think about Oh, this is my identity. I am the son of God. I am the child of God. I am part of the body of Christ. I am. And we can easily slip into that rut of doing the I am, I am, I am. And it's all true. But if we're truly in Christ, the I am will always have an outworking. Will always have an outward evidence. From our identity as children of God is our Calling and that is to live out our identity. The word calling is linked to vocation. So have a look at this uh, a definition by Professor Becky Horst. We are all familiar with the concepts of job and career, but vocation is a much misunderstood term. The word comes from the Latin vocare, or voice, meaning to follow the voice of God or to do what we are called to do. A vocation is a calling that merges our mission in life with God's mission on earth. That's good, isn't it? I think we face this word vocation or calling with some issues, particularly in the Christian church. And I remember growing up in the church and uh, the minister was always known as the man who had the call. He's had the calling. You know, and there was this sense in which the calling was some sacred or divine thing that is only blessed on certain people you, You've heard that sort of uh, thought before <laughs> that the the pastor or the minister is something more holy uh, than what we call a secular occupation. I think that comes the the analysis of that comes from the Greek word meaning. We've got it wrong. The ministry or the role of the pastor is no more a calling from God than is a logistics guy working for an airline or a teacher or a doctor or an airline pilot or whatever. It's no more a calling than every other occupation or every other vocation that God calls for us to be engaged with in our lives. We read from Genesis 2, and I just want to make a little examination of Genesis 2 uh, today. And if we think about Genesis 2, it's a story of some origins, isn't it? As we uh, thought about, this is when God rested from the creation, uh, then the water started to come and the plants would grow and, and uh, created Adam and then Eve. Um, And you always know the fairer fairer person in that partnership because in the Hebrew, uh, Adam, or man means, Adam means man and man is in the Hebrew, ish, but the woman is ishar. So it's always that, oh, ladies, we just think you're just beautiful. But it's the story of the beginnings, the the beginning of the story of God engaging in his creation. It is the beginning of the story of humanity, and it's the beginning of this sense in which God is releasing hope into his creation. If we go back to Genesis 1, it talks about how God created us in his image and how we find out who we are meant to be by discovering him. We find our true selves in our sin by seeing God. Seeing God for who he is. And then seeing how far we have fallen short. Therefore, we need to discover ourselves as well. It's a both and thing. God has made us to be people who are creative, to be generous, to be loving, to be compassionate, to be just, to be gracious... He has created us in his image, and we know that our, that image in us is marred by sin, but it, as his, he created us in his image, it was to reflect or to mimic him. And therefore, we need to then come back to be children of God because of the sacrifice of Christ and then become the image of the Father again. Do you understand? Well done. In Genesis 1, 27 to 28... It says God, so God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds uh, in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We have to understand that God has entrusted authority to us. In some versions, it says God gives dominion or God gives rule. So God has entrusted some authority to us and some significant authority to us, having dominion over his creation. Then we come to Genesis Genesis 2, where we see God's design for us in the outward journey of our identity and calling. For then we see in 2, verses 7 and 8, which we've already read, but I'll read again. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man, put the man he had formed. And then in verse, we go over to verse 15 that says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So we have this picture of God breathing life. Uh, the, the, in the Hebrew, it's uh, the ruach. It's the, the life of God, like the Holy Spirit. It's the breath of God being breathed into humanity. Different to what he did with animals, uh, humanity has the life of God in us. And he is trusting humanity to bring life into everything around them. So he injects his life so that we would bring life. So God's goal for us is that we come alive in his presence and we bring life into every place that we enter. When, wherever that may be. And so we remember that saying of Saint Irenaeus of Lyon. The glory of God is man or woman fully alive. You see. Get it? Yes. So, our task is the outward calling of the, inward call, of the inward journey. A reflection of the inward work of God and the continuing inward work of God and the continuing transformation of God and the continuing highlighting of the things that are in our lives so that we might be fully, more fully uh, in the image of God to return us to that place where in the journey back to that sense of Eden in the first creation, in that sense where we are part of the kingdom of God and we're submitting to the king of the kingdom to bring the glory of God and to bring the kingdom of God into every place that we are. That's our calling. That's a big calling. But that's the pastor's job, isn't it? You know. It is the pastor's job as a, as a son of God, yes, but it's the task of every single believer as all of us are priests and ministers to God, all of us, we remember, but you are a chosen people, a, a royal in the King James, I can't, you, you know, you get brought up on certain versions and your brain goes back to their, and royal priesthood it used to say, and I think, Always used to get confused. A holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the dark out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so we are the priests of the mercy. All of us. And none of us are exempt from that. It's the priesthood of all believers. We are called to represent and to bring the life of God into every circumstance, into every place we go, no matter where that might be. When Genesis 2.15 says that God designed for us to work in the creation and take care of it, we are designed to work. That's one of those words, those four-letter words that sometimes we go, Work. But he designed for us to work in wherever we find ourselves and to care about what we do. It doesn't say that we are becoming the controlling influence, that we are becoming the dictators. But we're becoming in the image of God, bringing his life in the midst of the circumstance, bringing his image in the midst of the circumstance, and bringing his kingdom rule into the midst of the circumstance. For in so doing, we bring the glory of God, we bring the kingdom of God. Now, at this point in the story when he says to Adam you got to get into the garden and work it's not about giving him some position as CEO or something and this is the salary that you're gonna get and this is the uh, the job description (laughs) it's about discovery and generosity and creativity it's about realizing the image of God being expressed through him it's about Adam expressing what God has put in him to the world around him It's about expressing God's purpose in the earth, God's purpose in the world. Now, God is excited about the work that you and I do. Even when we're doing night shift, Maria, at the Queensland newspapers and you think, what the heck am I doing here? (laughs) He's excited about that because he wants to partner with you in that work, you see. And there's four things I just want to cover quickly and then we're done. This is not restricted to a paid occupation or a job description. So you might say, well, I'm, I, I'm not a, a working person anymore. I'm retired. Yes, you still work. You still work around your home. You still work uh, in different places. Uh, It might be that term work. Remember, it's a vocation. This is the calling. This is what God is doing in you and through you. It's not about having a paid position. We've got to get our heads outside of that. But we see some really exciting things. God, we get to be God's partner in this work. We get to be his partners. We're learning to be God's partner and that might be in the local church as a pastor or it might be in the workplace where we're employed. It might be in the volunteer stuff we do at the respite centre, Neil. It might be in the stuff that we do uh, in everyday life and mixing with our neighbour. We are called to be partners with God for there's no sacred and secular divide here. There's no sacred work and secular work. It's all the work that God gives us to do. And this was expressed in in Jesus' life as he partnered with his father and then he partnered with his disciples to bring the kingdom of God. Equal partners. In the church sometimes I think And this is one of my hobby horses. Sometimes we say, are you a member of the church? I would rather, in my own mind, I think that sort of says exclusivity. For me, it's about, are you a partner in the gospel? Are we all partners in doing what God has called us to do within the earth? According to the gifts that he has given us, according to our personalities, according, and it's great to understand that, those personalities, and great to see how they work in each of our lives, but... In accordance with all of that, God calls us to partner with one another and we see it in the scriptures about the body of Christ. There's an eye and a leg and a toe and a, and a whatever um, as a part of the body, each interact together to form the body. When we think about work, sometimes we think about work, sitting down and doing some drafting and we think, oh, i just got to get it done. Or we just got to go out on site to do a site visit and uh, a measure and check measure and whatever. And uh, it's, it's all about that. Or we go to water some grass at five o'clock in the morning and the, the team come to cut the grass to, to turf somewhere else. Or we go to the hospital and check someone's breathing or uh, whatever it is that we do. We can have the attitude, oh, well, it's just work as long as it comes to five o'clock and get out and go home. Work is a place of spiritual formation. Work is a place to be having a God-centered life. Work is a place to have God as the, mind, as the first and foremost center of our being as we do the work. It's a place of His presence. Work. It's a place where we encounter God. When we're cleaning the house or mowing the lawn or doing all that sort of stuff. It's all about encountering God. I remember it would have been uh, probably 10 or 12 years ago I conducted a funeral. Uh, That's a surprise, isn't it? And um, I went to do this funeral and there was a young guy in in the service. He was about 24 and he was totally emotionless. What turned out to be that it was his great-uncle who he had no relationship with, but he just came with his mum to support his mum. So it was his great-uncle, yeah, and her uncle. I was talking to him afterwards and he was just emotionless and he told me the story. Oh, yeah, I am just here because I'm just helping my mum. I had no relationship with him. And, and suddenly into my heart dropped the words, that, something like hurt and pain. His name was Anthony. And I said something to him like, and it takes a bit of, bit of guts to stand out and say something to someone when you just hear these words inside your heart. I said, Anthony, you might be here with no emotion because of your great uncle, but I see in you that there is a, enormous hurt and pain. Suddenly he burst into tears in the... Poor guy, we're in the morning tea. And he's, he bursts into tears because someone connected with him we spent time together and finally he came to faith in Christ as a result of that and it was that God said to me in my heart this guy's got lots of hurt and pain and I want to deal with that in his life you know sometimes we God will speak to us about other people and sometimes we just ignore it oh no that can't be true but if it is God speaking to us about others, we have a responsibility to speak into their life and to be the light of Christ into their life and to bring the image of God into their life and to bring the kingdom of God into their life. It's about partnering with God in this journey. Could that happen to you? Maybe it has happened to you. And it yes, it can. And if you open your heart to God, He will reveal things to you. maybe as you pray for your neighbor, father I pray for Mrs. Uh, Majig next door, and I pray that you would uh, just show me if there's anything that she needs in her life. And, and he might just drop something into your life and you go and visit her, say, "Hey, Mrs. What's- I'm a Christian, and I, I've been praying for you, and this is what I think God has said to me about you uh, in your situation. It's okay to do that. That should be a natural part of the Christian life. And there's no position elevated than any other. It's not just a pastor who does that, for heaven's sakes. There's no pastor that's better than everybody else. There's no elder that's better than everybody else. We're all the same, just different functions. We read in Romans 12, um, oops, Romans 12.1, so brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him. Your offering must uh, be only for God and pleasing to him, which is the spiritual way for you to worship. What that's saying is, lay your lives down for God and he will use you. He will speak to you. He will use you as not just the throw you on the altar and be a sacrifice and leave you there, but he will use you as that willing vessel to speak into the lives of other people and to make a difference. And it might sometimes be no words, but by the way, you live your life. Secondly, not only do we get to be partners with God, we get to be dreamers with God. Now, God didn't give Adam a job description. He didn't. He only gave him one instruction. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But in the garden you can do whatever you like. This is a great place. He lifted up to Adam's ingenuity and Adam's creativity to be his child within the garden. There is ingenuity and creativity in each one of us. And that's the reflection of God. He wants us to express that part of his image in our lives. He hasn't made us to be robots, but to be expressive and creative with gifts and personality to express, with dreams to dream and, be, and bring um, to fruition, to dream how we can bring life to our environment, to bring life to our circumstance, bring life to our community life see our vocation is not only a revelation of who he is through us but it is also an expression of who we are in that so that's why it's important that we get to know who we are do the inward journey as well as the outward journey when we understand that our work is his calling on our lives we understand that our lives show he, who he is through us and it's an expression of ourselves in that situation it's both In Genesis 2, 19 says, Now the Lord God had formed out of of the ground all the wild animals animals, and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. He gave him the opportunity to... To name them. We understand in Hebrew culture that the name was always a reflection of the, 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 um, the nature or the purpose. Uh, that's why goats are called silly old goats, uh, I guess. Um, but think about this. God gives Adam the privilege of naming all the animals. God gets to partner with God to dream about the names. Cockroach. Ant, turtle, (laughs) whatever. Adam gets to dream. Because there is that sense of the image of God and creativity in him. He gives us the privilege of doing that in each of the industries we work in. In the organizations that we work in. In the educational institutions that we study in. In in our families and in our communities. He has given us the privilege of discerning his call in our workplace and the individuals we work with. We know that sin came into the world and Therefore, work got hard with obstructions and difficulties and the pursuit of money and stuff. We know that. But our job is to bring God's restorative and redemptive purposes into our workplace. God has redeemed us. We get to bring that redemptive purpose into everywhere that we go. And as a church, we get to bring that redemptive purpose into our community. Do you see? We are called, called to be that influence wherever he places us. We don't become whingers, but we stand up against injustice. We bring the light of Christ and stand up against darkness. We understand culture, but we stand for a better culture, a God culture, a kingdom culture. We get to tell a better story. Thirdly, we get to be cultivators with God. So we're partners, dreamers, cultivators. This environment isn't ideal, so I'm going to cultivate with God to see how we can bring His influence and His change from the bottom up. We get to see the environment shift. We get to see the influence on local peop- uh, uh, people shift. As a local church, we're not just here to have a holy club and just to get together on Sunday and go home and forget about it for the rest of the week. We are here in existence to bring a difference to our community and see a cultural shift within our community, a transformation within our community. We, we get to be in a ministries like Moreton Bay Community Manners. As an, that's an example of cultivating life by bringing food into people's hands, by giving pastoral care... To- <coughs> <coughs> pastoral care to those who are hurting healing life light into people's lives here's a quote from frederick buchner i think that's how he said the place god calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet and i must ask where's your deep gladness Where's your deep gladness? Is it in your self-centeredness? Or is it in God who has redeemed you and called you to a purpose? There, there it is. That's the place God calls you. Where that depth of gladness, that depth of joy, that depth of being with Him. And where the world's deep hunger meet. Not just food. And the last one is this. We get to be storytellers. We get to be God's agents in the world. We get to tell his story. We get to tell our story inside his story. We get, we get to pray for people in our businesses. We get to pray for people in our workplaces. We get to pray with them, pray for them, and maybe pray with them if they would like we get to listen to god what god might say to individuals and pray with them we get to tell his story with words and by the way we live it out how we love how we're gracious how we're compassionate how we stand up for justice how we stand up for fairness that's how we live it out our question might be god what is it that you want me to do in my life what is it that's my purpose when we give our time and attention to knowing God and knowing ourselves, light will shine on our next step. Sometimes we say we have to go in this room with all of the doors. I'm saying this. We go through the door that opens and then we go in another room with more doors. And then that one door opens, we go through that door. And then in that room, there's another bunch of doors. God will shine his light on the next step. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might sin against you. Your light your word is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my path and a light unto my way. Whatever God leads us to, whatever we choose to do, work makes the world. What we're about in our day day in and day out truly makes a difference. But it would be so much better for our effort, for our time, for our energy to be aligned with the purposes of God. Than for us to be flailing about trying to figure it all out on our own. Our mission is not to be successful, our mission is to be faithful. So, my friends, today, remember that God calls you to be a partner with Him. God calls you to, uh, jump back and remind myself. God calls you to be a dreamer with Him, to be a cultivator with Him, and to be a storyteller with Him. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, no matter what people you meet, even in the middle of the shopping mall, God calls you there. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your goodness, for your mercy, for your love, for your creativity, for your generosity for your compassion for all that you are and in us you are forming reforming and redeeming that image that you originally placed in Adam and you're redeeming us from the curse of sin you're redeeming us and showing us highlighting things in our lives that need to be put away so that we might be fully engaged with you and your life will be fully engaged with ours So Father, forgive us for the times that we have ignored that. Forgive us when our lives have just been about an inward journey and not the outward journey. And forgive us, Lord, for, well, minimizing the place that you call us to be and thinking that our work is just dumb. Well, the task might be dumb, but God, you've called us there to be yours in the midst of that work. Help us to do it. And help us to remember that the glory of God is man and woman, fully alive. We want to be fully alive in you. In Jesus' name, amen.